1: Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello,
0: America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877 381 381 Happy New Year. Great to be back. I want to thank all the folks that sat in during the course of the vacation, although I didn't really have a vacation, but that's not your problem. But I've been chomping at the bit, or is it champing at the bit? Been checking me out on social media? When I'm not on the air, that's where I am. Ask Mr. Producer, he has to post all these things I send to him, morning, noon, and night. I think it is unequivocal now. There's simply no debate that the Democrat Party hates America, that the Democrat Party press hate America. They hate this country to its core. They hate the country because you, the voter, don't give them power. In fact, from time to time, you actually change parties and give the other parties some power. They do not seek to represent the American people. They seek to impose their will on the American people. The Commander-in-Chief, the President of the United States, exercises his solemn duty under the Constitution to protect this nation, to protect our armed forces, to protect our embassy, to prevent a regime of almost half a century at war with the United States from conducting itself in a way that harms further American citizens. And the Commander in Chief is under full-scale, 24-7 attack by the Democrat Party media. He's under attack by the Democrats in the United States Congress. They went on and on and on about Ukraine. Ukraine was unable to defend itself, they said, because Trump withheld military aid for 55 days. Now, of course, Obama withheld military aid from Ukraine forever, throughout his presidency, even when it was being invaded by Russia. But that's okay. That's Obama. Meanwhile, the President of the United States eliminates this piece of you-know-what This subhuman cockroach who has the blood of tens of thousands of human beings on his hands, including American soldiers. Soleimani. And they attack our president. President's defending our country. And they come up with one phony excuse after another. And they include the media. Well, he didn't tell Congress, Nancy Pelosi said. Well, where was Congress? Congress was finishing its recess. Where were they? Junketing all over the world? The House Intelligence Committee. How many hearings has the House Intelligence Committee held in Iran and the dangers Iran poses to the United States military, to our diplomats and these various embassies and consulates? To the American people, to its surrogates, Hezbollah, which has networks, secret networks here in the United States. Tell me, how many hearings has the House Intelligence Committee and Adam Schiff conducted since he's been chairman? The only hearings this man holds is one of a coup against a duly elected commander-in-chief. Tell me, how has Adam Smith taken any steps to protect our military or this country? And how has Nancy Pelosi done so? These questions don't get asked. Of course. Inform Congress. Barack Obama dropped 2,800, hello, 2,800 bombs on Syria and Iraq without ever going to Congress for any kind of authorization. Does anybody remember Pelosi or Schumer or Cain or any of the others saying a single syllable against what Obama did. Not once. Barack Obama conspires with Russia, China, and the appeasers in Europe to give $150 billion to the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, which has declared war on the United States. In fact, has taken steps to attack United States personnel. He gives them 150 billion. Thousands of American soldiers are maimed or killed. 607 killed. Thousands maimed. You've seen their pictures. They fill our military hospitals. As a result of what this subhuman cockroach did. Where are all the photos? Where are all the video? Where are all the documentaries? Where are all the reporters showing us the victims of this mass murder? Where are they? Whether the Gold Star families, has one Gold Star family been interviewed? Has one husband or wife with a maimed husband or wife coming back from combat as a result of what this man did? Have they been interviewed? How about the hundreds of thousands of refugees in Syria? Look what's going on in Yemen. Look what's going on in Lebanon. This man, in large part, is responsible for this. But you wouldn't know it if you're one of the 12 people watching Joe Scarborough on MSNBC or one of the 15 people watching CNN. You wouldn't know it. And now, every subsequent act of terrorism by this terrorist regime that has been practicing terrorism really uninhibited from us 40 years, actually more than 40 years, now it's going to be Trump's fault. Trump's fault. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes, don't you know? He hit a beehive with a stick. And now the bees are all around, you see. Hit a beehive with a stick? What are you, an idiot? Then you hear these Obama clowns on cable TV. They drag them in. They're the last ones who should be speaking. They gave aid and comfort to this regime. 150 damn billion dollars not to mention another 1.9 billion in hard currency, ransom money. Then they cover a dark with planes who had their tail numbers removed, so nobody would know, but we find out. Oh, what an act of courage by Obama. They tried to bring down Ronald Reagan. They called it the Iran-Contra affair. When he did far less than that. They're trying to remove our current president, who did nothing like that. What's the strategy, they say? What's the strategy here? I saw this Robert Menendez, the senior Democrat... From New Jersey, always one step ahead of the law. What's the strategy here? It's not that we're upset about the taking out of this. Man, but what is the overall strategy? This Trump, he's so rash. He just does this stuff. Rash. He's been absolutely cerebral about what he's been wanting to do in foreign policy. And I'm going to get to the Trump doctrine in a minute. Nobody talks about the Trump doctrine. He has a doctrine. There's an actual doctrine out there. But the media is so full of hate. And Rand Paul and his ilk are so full of stupidity and ideology. You don't run foreign policy on ideology. You run foreign policy on prudence. Every event, every situation is not the same. And I'll get back to that in a minute. But the Democrat Party has yet again revealed itself. It revealed itself during slavery as the party of slavery. It revealed itself during segregation as the party of segregation. It revealed itself during Jim Crow as the party of Jim Crow. The Republican Party has never stood for any of those things. The Republican Party gave birth as an opposition party to slavery. Now, many of the Republicans and the leaders are feckless, don't get me wrong. But the Democrat Party is an ideological party, much unlike the Republican Party, quite frankly. And its ideology today is to hate America. Hate America and hate Americans. Open borders to change the demographics. Attack the cops. Attack the military. Attack religion and faith. Attack America's institutions. Attack the Constitution while waving it around and claiming you're defending it. Deposing the Electoral College. Turning the impeachment clause inside. I, I got a lot to get to. But what's the strategy they want to know? And where's the evidence? Oh, Pompeo said future attacks were imminent. Where's the evidence? Did they ask for one syllable? Centilla of evidence when it came to Russia collusion and the Trump campaign. Where's the evidence? There's no evidence. Because it never happened. No, no, no. Where's the evidence? Did they ask for the evidence? No. They were actually the platforms for the liars and the felonious leakers in the Obama administration from the FBI and other institutions giving them the information so they could lie to the American people. Our press. What a joke. Absolute joke. There's plenty of examples of what this da- man had done to Americans and American soldiers. Not one of them has been shown on TV. Walter Reed Hospital. Why don't they go over there? Why don't they go over there? Why don't they talk to some of these Gold Star families? Why don't they go to Syria? Why don't they go to Lebanon? Why don't they go to Yemen? And look at what this this iconic Iranian did. He's a martyr now. Good. But he's dead. That's the point. The President of the United States and the United States military are to be celebrated. They're to be thanked. But the Democrat Party and the Democrat Party media attacked them. Attack them. It's with a phrase like, this guy was bad. He was a killer. But, but nothing. But nothing. Absolutely unbelievable. Every single Democrat running for president condemned the president of the United States. Not one of them has qualified to be commander in chief and protect this nation. Not one. If you can't speak against the planet's worst terrorist and condemn it, him, and thank the president unequivocally, you cannot be commander-in-chief of this country. And Pelosi and Tim Kaine and the others, they're proposing a resolution, ladies and gentlemen. Schumer says he backs them. Every Democrat backs them. A resolution against Iran... A resolution condemning their terrorism? A resolution thanking the President of the United States for what he did as they passed a resolution 100 to nothing in the Senate, thanking Obama for taking up bin Laden? No. It's a resolution to stop the President from stopping the enemy. What kind of insanity and sickness is this? What kind of insanity and sickness is it? They're actually glorifying the Soleimani, glorifying him. He used to read poetry, don't you know? That's okay. Hitler used to write poetry, but they don't know that. Kaepernick. Kaepernick, what was it, USA Today said the greatest athlete of the, of the year or something like that, the most famous, whatever it was. said America killing brown and black people. So who's surprised? Look, like you jackass. It's America defending brown and black people. The people in Lebanon, the people in Yemen, the people in Iraq, the people in Iran. A lot of them are brown and black. And last time I checked, most of them are not Americans, and most of them are not Christians. It's absolutely appalling. The biggest political party in this country is the Democrat Party, and it hates America. And you know what? When you think about it, it's always hated America socialism over capitalism, open borders over a nation state, international law over constitutional law, centralized government over individual liberty, government control over private property. This is their agenda. This is who they are. And when it comes to national security, they don't believe in it. And this is why it's been such a a laugh track for almost three years when they pretend to be tough on Russia. Tough on Russia? They're not even tough on this guy, this, this, this subhuman cockroach who's responsible for the death of tens of millions. They're not even tough on him. He's a bad guy, but... But what? I'll be right back. Mark Levin... As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Primus for free every month, or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more visit levinforhillsdale.com that's l-e-v-i-n forhillsdale.com we're going to dig further of course that's what we do here so the democrat party hates this country and the media hate this country and that's what the president means when he says about the media the enemy of the people They're propagandists, they're demagogues for the Democrat Party against Trump. It's even worse than that. They push a radical left agenda. What exactly would they have done? If they knew that this Islamo-Nazi was behind the attacks on our embassy, what would they have done? they don't tell us well the threats the future threats were imminent well can you prove that they say the same media that day in and day out day in and day out lied to you the American people about Russia colluding with the Trump campaign in fact worse the media leading the charge with the lies about Russia colluding with the uh, Trump campaign using leaks given to them by Comey and McCabe and Stroke and others. That media, the media that says that we were founded on slavery, the media that denied the Holocaust, the media that hires anti-Semites, that media. I'll be right back. Now let's talk about the Trump doctrine. I'll start it here so the backbenchers can regurgitate it tomorrow. There's a choice other than appeasement and interventionism. Yeah, Barack Obama, on his best, he was an appeaser. $150 billion to the world's largest terrorist state. He facilitated that. With the phony Iran deal. He facilitated the Iranian advancement in ICBMs and nuclear weapons. That's worse than appeasement. That's giving aid and comfort to the enemy. But he appeased the Russians when they invaded Ukraine. (coughs) Excuse me. He appeased the Chinese when they began building islands. In the South China Sea. He embraced... Communist Cuba, genocidal regime. He was hostile to Israel. He was hostile to Britain and other allies. And he was hell bent on weakening the United States military. He wanted to confer governing decisions, including decisions about national security to international organizations. And he believed in open borders. He didn't believe that was a national security issue. Then we have the Bush Doctrine. The Bush Doctrine was an interventionist doctrine. Where in a place like Iraq, he wanted to institute a form of Jeffersonian democracy. Most of us supported it at the time. I looked at the Marshall Plan after World War II. And the Marshall Doctrine, it was brilliant. Formerly, fascistic regimes, among others, became our allies: first West Germany, then all of Germany, Japan and so forth. But the Marshall Plan was aimed on, <coughs> excuse me, Eastern Europe. But what did we learn? That some societies, given their ancient histories and their cultures and their religions, are not so amenable to Jeffersonian democracy. And who are we, we learned, to impose it upon them at the cost of American blood and treasure? But Bush also believed in a strong military, and yet he also believed in quasi-open borders. He didn't view it apparently as a national security issue either. Now we have the Trump doctrine, which rejects the Obama doctrine and rejects the Bush doctrine. So for the Rand Pauls out there and people of his ilk, they're utterly ignorant when it comes to what Trump is doing. Because they are, like the left, driven by ideology. And so they sound like Bernie Sanders when it comes to national security and foreign policy. But Trump is not Bernie Sanders when it comes to national security and foreign policy. Actually, truthfully, he's more Reagan. Reagan didn't send a quarter million troops or 400,000 troops anywhere, did he, Mr. Biducer? Yet he defeated the Soviet Union. He fought the rise of communism in Central and South America, as well as parts of Africa. But he didn't send our armies in. And there are times when you must, by the way. But he didn't. So what's the Trump doctrine? I say it's much like the Reagan doctrine, but it has its own features to it. He believes in having the number one military on the face of the earth. So he's had to rebuild the military that under the Obama doctrine, they degraded. But he doesn't believe in these interventions. He doesn't believe in state building. So he rejects the Obama doctrine when it comes to the United States military and weakening it. He rejects the Bush doctrine when it comes to interventionism and state building. He saw what happened in Iraq. But he believes in American national security. He believes in American national security. And very interesting, despite the best efforts of the Democrats and the Democrat Party media and the Rand Pauls and Pat Buchanan's and Drudges and others of the world, he exercises prudence when it comes to foreign policy. Whether you agree with every decision he makes or not, I don't necessarily, but that doesn't matter. He exercises prudence, he exercises good judgment. He's not driven by ideology. He doesn't say, look, in every case, I'm sending in the United States military. And he doesn't say, in every case, I'm going to peace through diplomacy. When your own damn embassy is attacked, you stand up for your country. You don't have to send in a quarter million troops. So you send in a drone and you wipe out the ratfink. Who's responsible for it? Oh, what will the Iranians do? No, the question on the table is... What will the Americans do if the Iranians act again? So, the Trump Doctrine is quite clear to anybody who would stop with their propaganda and their hysterics. And think about it for a minute. The number one military on the face of the earth, you will defend American national security. You will do so as each situation presents itself and requires. You will not be driven by an ideology of appeasement. And you will not be driven by an ideology of state building and interventionism. That, in a nutshell, is the Trump doctrine. It's a very sensible doctrine. And it's a very flexible doctrine. If you ever need to send in a quarter of a million troops, God forbid, well then I guess you will. But it's not your first, second, or third alternative. So when you hear people like Rand Paul saying, well, diplomacy's dead. Diplomacy's dead. Was there ever diplomacy with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran? Just because Rand Paul and others befriended the foreign minister of Iran, a propagandist, doesn't mean there's diplomacy with Iran. And I love these guys that say they support the United States military. Do you think the United States military thinks there's potential for diplomacy with Iran? Once again, look what Iran's done. Iran is behind Hezbollah's attack on our marine barracks in Lebanon. They killed hundreds of marines. Iran in 9-11... And there's been significant serious scholarship on this. Assisted Al-Qaeda. In terms of its escape. as as, As a terrorist organization. From the wrath of American armed forces. Hezbollah has a network in the United States. Right now as I speak. And one of the ways they raise funds is through drug trafficking. They're also in Central and South America. They've destroyed the country of Lebanon. They've destroyed the country of Yemen. They seek to destroy the country of Saudi Arabia. Whether these are our allies or not isn't even the point. Look at the map! You can't just turn your back on this and ignore it and pretend it's not happening. Well, you know, we kind of asked for it, Mark. This is the Hate America First crowd that pretends... These Code Pink Republicans that they that they just don't want these wars anymore. Well, does the president. And he's doing everything he can to prevent them. Everything he can to prevent them. Whether you agree with every one of his actions or not. So the Trump doctrine has grown out of or away from what was the Bush Doctrine and then the Obama Doctrine, both of which were much more, not extremist, but much more sort of traditionalist. Trump looks at this and he says, you know what, I don't buy either of these doctrines. This is my doctrine. This is my doctrine. And the media have not even written what I've just told you. Because they don't want to give this man any credit for even having a doctrine. Oh, he's so rash, he just bounces around. No, he's not. He's not rash in the least. They're rash. They're the ones who are rash. They're out there glorifying a mass murder. Now, the next time the Democrats, in the media or out of the media, tell you how compassionate they are, how they care for the little man and the little woman... I want you to remember the past few days. I want you to remember their coverage of what just took place. Of all the people who are suffering and have suffered as a result of Salamani And the Cuds And the Islamo-Nazi regime. And their surrogates, Hezbollah and others. I want you to remember this. Next time you see a baby Syrian floating in the ocean, that the media really don't give a damn, and neither do the Democrats. Next time you see refugees by the hundreds of thousands, cameras, video, remember, they don't give a damn. It is the same media in so many ways that covered up the Holocaust pushed it to the back pages to the extent they cover, uh, covered it at all. It is the same New York Times that has hired anti-Semites, still has one on its staff, that celebrates Hamas, celebrates Hezbollah. Oh, Hezbollah in Lebanon. You remember that over the, Christmas before last? a whole piece on it. Or was it the Washington Post? Same thing. I want you to remember this. The same Democrat Party that claims to be tough on Russia and upset with Trump over Ukraine immediately comes to the defense of a terrorist. Oh, they pretend they don't, but they do, and they are. Because now they're trying to tie the commander-in-chief's hands. What do you think Iran sees when it sees that? What do you think the terrorist groups see when they see that? Or North Korea, China, or Russia, any of them? Who do you think they want to win the next election? Donald Trump or any one of the Democrats? Who do you think Iran wants to win the next election? Donald Trump or any one of the Democrats? Our enemies are rooting for the Democrat Party. They'd love nothing more than Joe Biden. Or Bernie Sanders. Or Mike Bloomberg. As he disarms the American people. The Democrat Party, for the most part in this country, has been a evil force for the most part in our history with certain exceptions but it's been an evil force and it still is and it's proved again over the last 72 hours rooting for the enemy attacking the good guys attacking the good guys they are totally out of the closet folks Where are the interviews? Where are the pictures? Where's the video of all the victims of the Iranian regime and Hezbollah? All the victims of Soleimani. Where are their testimonies? Where are the testimonies of the Gold Star families? Where are the testimonies of the spouses and the children? whose soldier dad and mom come home without limbs or part of their skulls blown away as a result of what this man did. Where are they? They're nowhere. It's as if they don't exist. Now, Chuck Todd, you know why you're despised and your entire phony so-called profession is despised. It's not because of Donald Trump. It's because of you and your ilk. You're disgusting. I'll be right back. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com Well, maybe it was wag the dog, Mark, or to distract from impeachment. Have you heard this too? So The Islamo-Nazi regime attacks our embassy through surrogates. The president orders a hit on an unlawful enemy combatant, a terrorist, who's on the battlefield. It's done flawlessly. In reaction to what they did to us and for imminent attacks coming, and that's to distract the nation from impeachment... If the president wanted to distract the nation from impeachment, as the Democrats insanely imagine, that's not the way to do it. You bring out the B-52s and the stealth bombers. That's how you do it. You start a real war. If one's not called for. You don't do this. A tactical, directed hit. And wag the dog. Wag the dog for what? It is sick. The unpatriotic, America-hating Democrat Party. Look, you Democrats disagree with me. You need to change your leadership. Don't look at me. You got leaders from New York and San Francisco and L.A. Clean them the hell out. Get some real, decent, American-supporting politicians in there. Not these left-wing radical kooks. Man, we got two big hours left. I want to finish this for now. Then I want to move into the anti-Semitism that is spreading through Brooklyn, New York. The Democrat Party and college campuses all controlled by Democrats. Look, it's not exclusive to the radical left and their constituent groups, but it's primarily them. And then, of course, I want to address impeachment. The unconstitutional impeachment... That the framers would reject. Something you haven't heard, but I want to get into this more deeply. Oh, and by the way, a couple of my folks on my social sites have read Mark, taking two weeks off must be nice. Mark, taking two weeks off, it must be nice. Like I'm going to the Caribbean or something. Four of those days spent dealing with a hemorrhage behind my left retina that I'm still dealing with I am legally blind in my left eye right now. I'm not complaining. We're working on it. I have a great Dr. Monsour is working on it. But it's not all games, trust me. I'll be right back.
1: He's here. He's here.
0: Are Tulsi, Gabbard, and Rand Paul the only members of Congress? Why is she everywhere? She served in the military. So did Tom Cotton. So did scores of members of Congress who support what the president's doing. They don't get this kind of time. This is how the media manipulate events in this country. The Secretary of State's been on all these shows, and of course... They attack the Secretary of State. They're not really trying to glean actual information. They're trying to challenge the Secretary of State because, you know, killing a mass genocidal maniac terrorist who was behind the attack on our embassy apparently is very controversial in the media and the Democrat Party. Tell me, who's cozying up the dictators and terrorists now? Here's Jake Tapper on CNN yesterday. Cut one, go.
1: I, I do want to ask you because there does seem to be a disconnect here. Uh, but president Trump, uh, according to polling, a majority of the American people uh, have never considered him honest, have never considered him trustworthy. This is the American people, not me,
0: okay? Now, so why, why ask this question now? It's a way to bring up a poll to attack the President of the United States in the middle of a military action that was taking place. Very sleazy. Jake Tapper surrendered whatever serious professional credentials he had years ago when he signed up with CNN. He's disgusting. Who would even think to ask a question like this? Go ahead. There is this credibility gap. In addition, obviously, this
1: nation has heard leaders, whether it's blaming a YouTube video uh, for the attacks on the embassy in Benghazi or WMD in Iraq. People have heard this government, the government of the United States. A Russia
0: collusion with the Trump campaign on CNN and out of your mouth, Jake. But go ahead.
1: Say things to them that that were not true when it comes to the war. Do you understand that there might be a No, I don't
0: understand. They attacked our embassy. Did they not take 10 of our sailors hostage, Mr. Producer, not that long ago? Do they still not have, as kidnapped victims, Americans? Yes, they do. Is there any question whatsoever, seriously, about this regime, about its surrogates, about the mayhem, the torture, the slaughter, the rape that they're involved in? No. No. So what exactly is it that Jake Tapper needs? <laughs> go ahead.
1: Provide proof and evidence to the American people of the imminence of the attack, of the need to carry out the mission that you carried out.
0: Now this is fascinating because they go on and on about, we've now, we've, we've now slapped a, hit a uh, hornet's nest with a stick here, and now they're going to be all over the place. The hornet's nest is there. They are all over the place, you idiots! Just look around you. Just look around you. But the American people distrust this administration. The American people haven't spoken about this. But Jake Tapper and CNN and the rest are going to do everything they can to undermine the commander-in-chief. It's unbelievable. Go ahead.
1: I do understand the power that we have uh, and the need that we have to try and share with the American people everything we possibly can about why it is we're taking the actions that we take.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Jake, did you do that when Obama dropped 2,800 bombs on Iraq and Syria? No, you did not. Now, the worst of the bunch is Chuck Todd. And I believe it's because he's the dumbest of the bunch with his 5th grade haircut, with his liberal Democrat consultant wife. That's right! I mean, this guy couldn't fill Tim Russert's shoes if he wanted to. You know, Tim Russert is one of the very rare examples of a person who was in politics and a Democrat who was able to make the transition into journalism. He's one of the few. Todd has failed miserably. Cut to go. Can you
1: confidently say America is safer today? Absolutely. How do, you, how do you square that statement with the fact that we're bringing, you're, you're advising American citizens essentially to, to leave the region? Um, okay, and- now
0: let's stop. If, I would ask you, the American, think about this. Is this the kind of questioning you would pose if you had the Secretary of State? Can you say America is safer today? Would you want to know more about why they did what they did, exactly, precisely the details, and really not to undermine what took place, but to at least address your curiosity? They have no curiosity, none whatsoever. <clears throat> is America safer? What he's doing is he's trying to set up the Secretary of State, because we know what the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran is. We know that what they've been doing for over 40 years. So when they do it again, he wants to be able to say, see, Trump and Pompeo did this. They said we'd be safer, but we're not. Because Chuck Todd, first and foremost, and in the end, is a Democrat, an activist. Go ahead.
1: Particularly Iraq, we have the Homeland Security (coughs) Department... uh bracing Americans for cyber attacks, saying that, you know, we know the Iranians have been...
0: Hey, Chuck, let me help you out. You're such a dumbass. It's not even funny. And may I say that on the air, Mr. Bruce? I think I will. He's a DA. The regime in Iran is extraordinarily dangerous, and in the Middle East, it's ubiquitous. You can thank your friend Obama, among others, for that. But that's the way they are. Reagan had, uh, Carter had to wrestle with them, Reagan had to wrestle with them, Bush had to wrestle with them, Clinton, Bush, Obama. This isn't new to the Trump administration. They're the latest administration that has to deal with this, and he's dealing with it. He's choking them economically, strategy. He's bringing the Gulf states together with Israel, strategy. He's beefed up our military, Strategy. Not for war, but for peace and for national security. And he's not going to take their terrorist attacks sitting down. That doesn't mean they won't lash out in one way or another. Of course they will. But that's not on Trump. That's on them, you jackass. Go ahead.
1: It is likely to happen, and there won't be a warning from it. It doesn't sound like we're safer today after this. Yeah, Chuck, we're we're definitely safer today. 100% certainty that America is safer today. Then why did we put out that warning after the Soleimani? I mean, we do expect retaliations against American citizens now, correct? Chuck, you're concentrating on the second and the moment. President Trump is focused deeply on keeping Americans safe over the long haul. I I
0: have a better answer, and that would be this, Chuck. Do you think we're less safe today because we took out the number one genocidal mass-murdering terrorist in the world? Are we less safe today? He's the mastermind. Your own network says he's the mastermind. Are we less safe? Should we not have taken him out? What would you do, Chuck? Would you be like Obama? He gets off the plane and hand him $100 million? Is that what you would do, Chuck? Stupid. It's a stupid guy. But there are dumber all throughout the Democrat Party and the media. There's a lot of them. Joe Scarborough would be the lead one as he broadcasts from Jupiter, Florida, pretending he's in Washington, D.C. That's like pretending he's a serious person when in fact he's a low IQ moron. A backbencher congressman for six years. That's it. Doesn't have any other credentials. None. Cut three. Go. Go.
1: Again, it, it suggests that the President of the United States, who did not even know who General Soleimani was a few years ago, had no idea.
0: How uh, do you know if he knew who General Soleimani was a few years ago? And why does it matter? He knows who he is today. You moron. Really appallingly stupid, this guy. Go ahead.
1: he's getting into, had no idea the size of the hornet's nest. That he was kicking. This is leading. Yeah, he's, he's. Now, understand,
0: uh, yeah. folks, the President of the United States is getting advice from his National Security Council, from the Pentagon, from the Department of State, from the CIA, and other agencies and departments. And Joe Scarborough is getting advice from his wife, the daughter of a failed national security advisor. Go ahead.
1: And more troops uh, over to the Middle East after this attack. Of course, you're sending more
0: troops over to the Middle East in order to protect our assets, not to commit acts of war. So when our embassies and, and personnel need to be protected, you don't have to spend two days getting them from Fort Bragg or wherever or Germany into the Middle East. It's called forward deployment. We do this all the time. It's a typical military strategy. It's absolutely necessary. And it doesn't mean you're sending a quarter million troops into a region. But Scarborough is an ignoramus. So he doesn't even understand the Trump doctrine. He doesn't even know that there is a Trump doctrine. Go ahead.
1: He that He was sending more troops to Saudi Arabia. Ah,
0: shut up, you idiot. You know, I could go on and on. We have this Richard Engel on MSNBC today. Listen to this one. Cut four, go. Now, after this
1: killing, you saw people not only going out in the streets in millions, as as Ali
0: was describing, he was there, but throwing articles of their own clothing up onto the coffin so that attendants could rub it on the coffin so that they would have some sort of memento of an object that was close to Qasem Soleimani's body. They turned him into a martyr, if not a saint. See? And I guess we did that when we, when we killed most of the chief forces in the Nazi Germany. For some people, right? Turned them into martyrs. And how stupid is this? Iran is not a free society. Maybe there would be 10 million people marching on the government. Maybe there would be 10 million people marching in happiness who would be happy about what's taking place. We know they rose up in the streets during the Obama administration and for 10 days that jerk sat on his hands as they were mowed down in the streets. It's a police state. That's what the CUDS force is all about, you idiot. If they need 2 million people to march, then 2 million people march. That's what they do in police states. Richard Engel, journalist, ladies and gentlemen, MSNBC, NBC. I'll be right back. Mark In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. bottom of the hour, because there's so much to cover in the program tonight, but don't forget, I'll be here tomorrow, I'll be here every day. So we're not leaving the scene. Unfortunately, for the last several days, the unfree press has had basic monopolistic control of the airwaves and the television screens. Not now, I'm back. So we will fight them, because we believe in this country. We believe in our military, and we believe in liberty. And they don't. They are now standing with the Kuds forces. I don't care how they, how they put their propaganda. That's the bottom line. Nancy Pelosi. You had Talib and Omar out there trashing the President of the United States, very upset about what he did. They hate this country. By the way, do you know that the first two Muslims elected female Muslims to the House, Mr. Bidewister, did you know that? Uh, That's what I hear. But then there's Rand Paul. I like Rand Paul, except when it comes to national security, because he's an ideologue, like his father, like Ron Paul. And there's no room for ideology when it comes to national security. Not for Bernie Sanders, not for Rand Paul, not for the others. Again, it's about prudence. It's about securing your country, keeping it safe, keeping our assets safe, keeping our abilities to protect ourselves safe. And yes, we build alliances. And just as our allies are supposed to assist us, we assist them, because the purpose is to protect us. Here's Rand Paul on with Neil Cavuto, and I think they bring him on just because he's provocative, quite frankly. Cut six. Go. Senator,
1: you are saying that U.S. soldiers deserve better than an undeclared war with Iran. Do you think that's what we're looking at here? I think the problem is, is that there is an open question whether or not attacks from Iran are more or less likely. You can say that Soleimani was plotting to attack the U.S. may well be true. But with his death, do you think it's more or less likely that Iran and their militias and their proxies will attack the U.S.?
0: Now, let's just stop there for a second. They've attacked the U.S. Let's just deal with this one incident. They've attacked our embassy. We know he's behind it. We know he's behind it. Now, do you sit there and say, I don't know, it's more likely, less likely? Or do you deal with the threat? Do you deal with the threat? Of course, the question is not an accurate one either. Senator, you were saying the U.S. soldiers deserve better than an undeclared war with Iran. Is that what we're looking at? That's intended to be a provocative question, in my view. No criticism. I'm just calling it as I see it. An undeclared war? War? Well, where are all our troops? 3,000 troops? No, that's not a war. Anyway, go ahead.
1: It's more likely... And I think as you have an escalation, if they were to kill U.S. soldiers, there will be another response from us, which will be a further escalation. Of course
0: there will, and there should be. But we're not the ones escalating it. They're the ones who are provoking and escalating it. We didn't attack their embassy. They attacked our embassy. We're not shooting missiles into their military bases. They're shooting missiles into our military bases. And we're not talking about in Iran. We're talking about in Iraq. I guess the Israelis shouldn't defend themselves either. I guess the people in in, um, Yemen shouldn't defend themselves. Nobody should defend themselves. Nobody should hit back. Because you might upset this regime and they might escalate it. Now think about that thinking. Is that in America's best interest? Would you want to be a United States soldier with a commander-in-chief who thinks like Rand Paul? Again, not an attack on Rand Paul. I'm just playing this out. Go ahead.
1: I think without a declaration of war, without Congress and the American people behind it, what you get is a messy mission. All right, let's stop.
0: Let's stop. The radical libertarians believe you need to have a declaration of war when a bullet is fired, which goes against every single example by every president and Congress in American history. They believe they're the originalists. I want you to look at Madison's notes. Is that what it says? Why do we have a commander-in-chief— They debated this issue. They debated this issue. Battlefield decisions cannot be made by Congress. They may be on recess, like they were. They can barely function, like now. They can't even pass a budget. They can't even balance a budget. They can't even secure a border. They can't even do what they're supposed to do. You have real-life battlefield decisions. Split-second decisions or... Decisions that need to be made in secrecy. You don't have committee hearings and debates on those. Now, if Congress wants to debate Iran, then do it. Stop spending time on trying to overthrow a duly elected president in the House Intelligence Committee and do it. But they don't. I'll be right back. Love him. The cure for the common liberal. Talk to Mark now at 877 381 So Deborah's home was stolen. Now I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her house. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. This story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to her home online... And filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned it. it actually, gets worse. She says, quote, "I was evicted from my own home, and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily." She says. Now, folks, this is why you need to get Home Title Lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim, but don't know it. Then sign up to help protect the legal title of your home so you don't end up like Deborah. And to get you started, I got you 60 risk-free days of protection. 60 risk-free days. Go to HomeTitleLock.com 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 All right, let me swing into impeachment. Three big topics we're hitting tonight. Hit the first one, half the show. Now we're going to hit impeachment. And later we'll deal with what's going on in Brooklyn. And by the way, not just Brooklyn. Throughout the country, as a matter of fact. Impeachment. How many people who talk on TV about impeachment do you think have actually read Madison's notes in the debate at the Constitutional Convention over Impeachment? 1%? 5%? How many of these journalists do you think have read it? I dare say none of them. How many of these legal analysts? That's right, legal analysts. How many do you think of them have read it? Very few. The Impeachment Clause developed through the debate process, but there there was almost no impeachment in the Constitution. It was hotly debated. In fact, it was the second biggest debated issue after the office of the presidency. They weren't sure how to do this, and they were concerned about it, and they looked back at Britain, the parliament, the monarchy, how they handled it, and they borrowed from it. But there was strenuous objection to it early on. There was a concern that impeachment can be abused and used against a duly elected president. Because unlike today, back then, they feared that all branches of government could become tyrannical, which is why they split them up, poised one against the other, were rather specific about their powers, even though there was some overlap. And insisted that most of the power wouldn't belong to any of them. It would belong to you, the people. As individuals in a free society. Which is less and less the case today. So they were concerned because the president, (coughs) excuse me, and the vice president are the only two officials elected by all the people. Members of the House aren't. Little districts. Members of the Senate back then were mostly appointed by the state legislatures, but even today they're elected from each state. They were concerned about a faction or a mob going rogue in the House of Representatives. So they sent up this impeachment process. Well, the House impeaches, but that's not the end of it. It goes to the Senate for adjudication. That's not the end of it. And you need a supermajority of the senators voting, the senators present to remove a president, a vice president, (coughs) or a a civil officer that's covered by impeachment. And that trial would also involve uh, a judge who would be the chief justice of the United States, whose responsibilities are really ministerial, but nonetheless, all three branches because they wanted the full-body politic behind this, just as the full-body politic was involved in the election in the first place. They debated this phrase, impeachment. What should it include? Well, they didn't want a low standard, because politicians are politicians, whether they're in the House, the Senate, the President, whatever they are. So they didn't want to create a tool by which a temporary faction in the House of Representatives, or in the Senate, could overthrow a duly elected president. They knew what the consequences of such a thing would be. They just got through a revolution. They also knew history. They also knew how power corrupts. And they wanted to avoid it. So they were rather specific. The language they use in impeachment... Treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. And other high crimes and misdemeanors. They don't mean misdemeanors that might be in your county or state or the criminal code. There were no codes. Like jaywalking or stealing a loaf of bread. That's not what misdemeanors meant back then. you got to look at English common law. Now again, your average, low IQ, dim-witted journalist or a host on CNN and MSNBC and elsewhere, have no idea what I'm talking about. Because they don't take the time to figure it out. They don't care. It's groupthink. It's PAC mentality. So it needs to be a high bar. And we've talked about this. And George Mason proposed, and he was a great, great man. He proposed maladministration as a basis for impeachment. Another great man, James Madison, said, no, that's too low. Maladministration? You could say today, maladministration, that would be like, you know, abuse of power. It's so broad, you can say it, it can be defined as anything. So the articles themselves are unconstitutional. They don't meet the definitional language that's in the Constitution treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. Obstructing Congress because the president takes subpoenas to a federal court is not obstructing Congress in the sense of an impeachment. Abusing power because you disagree with the president and the president is defending his branch of the government is not a basis for impeachment. Either party could use abuse of power for any time they have serious policy disagreements or if a president's really checking the outer edge of separation of powers. Many presidents would be impeached for abuse of power, in fact virtually every president would be impeached for abuse of power. So the framers of the Constitution, I dare say, if they are around today, would never ever institute the impeachment clause if they knew it would be abused by Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, the way it's being abused today. It would never happen. They wanted a stable government, not a constant revolution which is what we have as a result of the Democrats. So that's number one. It's an unconstitutional impeachment. And I could get into other issues. The, uh, The rejection of traditional due process that's been afforded past presidents under these circumstances. And not just past presidents, federal judges. Absolutely rejected by Pelosi and the Democrats. They never had an official vote on an impeachment inquiry. Never. Nancy Pelosi just announced it, declared it. And now we have a delay in the transmission of the articles to the Senate because Nancy Pelosi is trying to blackmail the United States Senate to conduct a trial the way she and the minority in the Senate wish the trial to be conducted. So from beginning to end, this is unconstitutional. It is undermining Congress as an institution. It is a poison that is now leaching into the Senate if the Senate doesn't put an end to this. And what should be done... And I'll say for the thousandth time, I and uh, Robert Ray several months ago talked about this matter being dismissed by the United States Senate as quickly as possible. You know Senator Hawley, apparently has a very busy schedule, and other senators who agree with me and agree with Robert Ray and say we ought to dismiss this. But I've changed my mind. Because that might take a vote of the Republicans, and you have Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and Mitt Romney and Corey Gardner and other lightweights who might undermine the very small majority that exists in the Senate. So this is an area that has been untraveled. But if Nancy Pelosi as one member of the House of Representatives, I don't care if she's Speaker of the House, call her speaker, can call her whatever you want as one member of the House of Representatives from an extremely left-wing district, has the power, and she doesn't, but tries to exercise the power of a fascist in the House of Representatives by dictating what the trial must look like in the United States Senate. Then Mitch McConnell has the power, as the majority leader of the Senate, Not exactly, but the equivalent of the Speaker of the Senate. He has the power on his own, without a vote, to declare the articles of impeachment null and void. For the failure of the House of Representatives, number one, to follow the Constitution in the first instance, but number two, and more importantly, for his purposes, to provide the Senate with the articles. He cannot tolerate Nancy Pelosi blackmailing the Senate and having this cloud over our institutions. The government belongs to us. Now they're in court, the Democrats, you may miss this, telling federal courts, do not dismiss our desire to have 60 grand jury information in the Mueller investigation and all the rest, Because we're going to add to the articles of impeachment. So in other words, ladies and gentlemen, this is the precedent that's being set if it's not stopped right now in its tracks. You pass initial articles of impeachment against a president in the House, and you keep it open. And you just keep adding to it. And when you think it is politically fortuitous, then you send it to the Senate. Now let me tell you, there's nothing said by any framer of the Constitution, nothing said by any of the commentators in the Federalist Papers or the Anti-Federalist Papers, nothing that gives support for this position. Zero. So they're now using the impeachment clause as fascists. And it's up to Mitch McConnell right now to put an end to it. Now, I don't know what the lawyers or (laughs) advisors... the president, or the Republicans in the Senate, but they need to listen to me. No deadlines with a vote to dismiss. As virtuous as that is. No. Just declare it null and void and you're done. But my fear is their fear of the media and the Democrats is greater. Greater than their motivation (laughs) To defend the institution of the Senate, the Impeachment Clause, and the Constitution generally. I'll be right back. Mark Lubin. I need to say this to Seattle, and I love Seattle. We have a wonderful affiliate in Seattle. You're very lucky that Carson Wentz, after nine and a half minutes, had to leave the field. You won by eight points. We had a 40-year-old quarterback. I'm just speaking for the Eagles. But you won fair and square. No question about it. Just very painful for some of us who are from Philadelphia to watch that. At least it was for me. Now, Mr. Producer, you've had a very painful period yourself, haven't you? You're a Steelers fan, correct? Now, which one of you is a Redskins fan? Gunzelman. Guns is a Redskins fan. No comment. <clears throat> painful as hell. Let me put it that way. For a long time. You know, on average. A burglary happens once every 23 seconds in the United States. Approximately 2 million burglaries are reported a year in the U.S. Now, what's crazy is that only one in five homes have home security. And that's probably because most companies don't make it easy. Long term contracts full of hidden fees, astronomical monthly fees. That's why Simply Safe is my choice for home security. It's comprehensive, professional home security at a fair price. And right now is your last chance to access their holiday savings. Listeners get a free security camera plus 25% off your security system to start the new year. A smart lock and video doorbell defend your front door. And arsenal sensors and cameras cover every inch of your home. Simply Safe gives real-time video confirmation to police in the event of a break-in. So police respond up to three and a half times faster. No contract, no hidden fees or fine print. Prices started just 15 bucks a month. Simply Safe rarely does deals this big, so now's your chance. Get 25% off your system plus a free HD security camera so you can take advantage of their video verification technology at simplysafemark.com. And Harry, the sale ends January 7th. What's today? It's the 6th. Harry, it ends. What, what isn't today? The, it ends tomorrow. Please go to simplysafemark.com simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com. So John Bolton says, "You know what? I'm not going to object anymore. I'm happy to testify to Senate trial. I don't understand this. I've known John for decades. Have't talked to him since he left the White House. I don't believe. maybe in passing but certainly not for th- more than 30 seconds. and I don't remember. But no, nothing substantive. But I don't get it. And I know his lawyer too. Chuck Cooper's an old buddy of mine. So the only thing I can think of, unless this is really out of character for Bolton and Cooper, which would really infuriate me, infuriate me, is that John Bolton isn't going to deliver to the Democrats what the Democrats want him to deliver. I'm just trying to think this through. I could be dead wrong. It could be he didn't want to testify in front of the House because he didn't want to give any kind of justification or credibility to a corrupt process under our Constitution in the House. On the other hand, in the Senate, where McConnell calls the shots, and there's the Chief Justice, just in case, it's a different environment altogether. Maybe he figures, okay, I'll testify there. And despite all the media preening and all the media speculation, maybe he turns out to be an exculpatory witness, quote-unquote, for the president. I have no idea. But if I'm wrong, I don't understand this at all. Then I didn't know the man that I thought I knew for decades, and I didn't know his lawyer who I thought I knew for decades. But I do know them, and I have known them for decades. So that's my guess. That's all it is. A guess. That said, old John and old Chuck, they don't get to call the shots either. End this thing. They have perverted the impeachment process. They're creating an open-ended impeachment process that can destroy any president. Really any Republican president, because you can see the Republicans will never do this. And by the way, you know who just announced... That he wants Bolton as a witness and wants to hear what he has to say at a trial. You know who just announced that, Mr. Producer? Mitt Romney. I want to thank our friends in Utah for Mitt Romney. What a complete, utter disaster and loser. Trying to make his own way in the history books. He'll be remembered in the history books as a loser to Barack Obama who lost the campaign he should have won. And now he's busy trying to undermine the President of the United States. Mitt Romney is giving his imprimatur to what the House of Representatives has done to our Constitution. Disgusting.
1: He's here. He's here.
0: The propagandists are out in full force. The propagandist experts are out in full force. See, we can never trust the Pentagon, the CIA, National Security Council, or the FBI again. Ever. For anything. We can't trust our government for anything. But the government should take over Google, it should take over Silicon Valley. It should be involved in more and more decisions when it comes to trade, when it comes to this. And it, th- These incoherent arguments are amazing to me. The CIA is not our enemy. The FBI is not our enemy. The NSA is not our enemy. They need to be confined to what they're supposed to do. Individuals who abuse their power need to be addressed, prosecuted, thrown in prison, hopefully... But we're not leftists who want to get rid of the FBI like the left wants to get rid of ICE. We don't want to get rid of the CIA like the left wants to get rid of the Border Patrol. We're not trying to undermine federal law enforcement and federal national security entities. We want them to work properly. That's why you and I want the individuals who have abused these departments and agencies to face a court and do prison time. Not one of us has called for the abolition of any of these departments and agencies. They do a tremendous amount of good work in this country. Can you imagine if we didn't have an FBI or a CIA or a national security agency? What the Mexican drug cartels would be doing, what Hezbollah would be doing, what the Chinese and the Russians would be doing. I mean, it's such a stupid argument. And these are the very same people who got us into Iraq, they tell us. No, they're not. Completely different CIA director. Completely different secretary of state. Completely different secretary of defense. Completely different administration. Completely different senior personnel. New technologies. Plus, we have our own two eyes. The Iranians attacked us. How much intelligence do you need? And they keep attacking us. They have their little serial numbers on those horrific mines that they use to blow apart our soldiers. And they tell us what they're doing. But you see, we keep escalating. That's what I mean, the Bernie Sanders propaganda. It's an ideological argument. It's not a prudential argument. So we have to keep arguing about Iraq, keep arguing about these other things that took place in the past. How about when our intelligence gets it right? You want to argue about that? Like they just did. There's no evidence whatsoever that the information that was provided to the president was inaccurate. None whatsoever. So, these arguments that I'm hearing are so appalling. The president eliminated somebody who needed to be eliminated, ladies and gentlemen. And mass murder. Now, I must be honest with you. I don't care why he did it, it needed to be done. It needed to be done. I want to move into another area, which for some people is very sensitive, not for me. you got to call them as you see them. I've spent a lot of time on this program over a long period of time, beating the pots and pans, banging them as loudly as I can. About the growing anti-Semitism, not just in the world, but in this country. It's growth on our college campuses. It's growth in our news operations. And it's growth in the Democrat Party. I've not heard a lot of Democrats go to the floor of the Senate or the House today, other than to condemn the president, talk about controlling him, a resolution against him, rather than the enemies in Iran, about what's taking place in Brooklyn, New York, or you have an epidemic of anti-Semitism. Attacks on Hasidic Jews. And of course they're the most noticeable. On how they dress and how they wear their hair. Unprovoked. They are being brutalized. They are being taunted. They are being spat upon. They're being called... The most horrific names one can call a Jew. It's happening at an alarming rate. You have a city run by liberal democrats. Who undermine law enforcement. Who are letting recidivists out of prison. They call this reform. And what you're getting is more and more anarchy. Anarchy. More and more anarchy generally. And assaults on Jews. And they're happening almost daily. And while it is true. While it is true. That there are white supremacist entities. Who are responsible for some horrific. Horrific crimes against Jews, such as in Pittsburgh, the mass murder in that synagogue, and elsewhere. And honestly, the threats that I get tend to be from neo-Nazis. But in Brooklyn, it's mostly coming out of the African-American community. Obviously, not all African-Americans. I would never say that, and it's not correct. But the assaults that are taking place. You hear Precious Little from the leadership condemning it. You even hear Precious Little from Democrats running for president condemning it. There's been an environment created in parts of the country by the likes of CARE. That's right, I'll say it, by the likes of CARE and Farrakhan. By the likes of Omar and Talib, and the great tolerance for this by the Democrat Party. Because quite frankly, in many respects I have no use for the Republican Party. But the Republican Party is not a breeding ground for anti-Semitism. A bigger and bigger wing of the Democrat Party is. And there's more tolerance for this than I've ever seen in my life. Despite what Cuomo says. Despite what the Cameo says. The facts are the facts. So the environment, as well as the decisions about law and order, the opposite of law and order are having a terrible, terrible effect in the city of New York, and particularly Brooklyn. And we see it on our college campuses, with student visas, many of which are handed out to individuals from the Middle East. Uh, look, I told you I'm calling it straight, and I am. As well as the hard Marxist left, which has always been anti-Semitic, from Europe to the United States. And yet, some left wing Jews belong to this movement. I can't explain it. It is what it is. You hear Bernie Sanders? I'm a Jew and I was in a kibbutz who's backed by anti Semites, by the most radical elements in the Palestinian movement, because first things first, he's a Marxist. And then look at our media. Our media has only begun to cover this, and sporadically, sporadically. It's all Trump all the time, pretty much, and all negative. CNN hired a contributor, a professor from Temple University, who was an out-of-the-closet anti-Semite, been for a long time. Finally, they relented and removed him. But they were in no hurry. And they and MSNBC bring in individuals with this dangerous identity politics. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, if you're identified in a racial or ethnic group that is considered on the negative side of the spectrum rather than the positive side on the spectrum, you're automatically Regardless of your life, regardless of how you've led your life, regardless of your individualism, you're automatically viewed one way as opposed to another. That's the problem with identity politics. And yet it's everywhere. The New York Times is especially pernicious. Its headquarters is in New York. These things are happening all around it. The New York Times, as I wrote extensively in Unfreedom of the Press, covered up the Holocaust as best as it could. A relative few references, always buried. The New York Times almost always comes to the defense of Hamas and Hezbollah, You see they're attacking the President of the United States when he's confronting Iran. The New York Times, which has had several individuals on its payroll that have shown a history of anti-Semitism. One of them, a top editor, is still there. Has a high tolerance for anti-Semitism. MSNBC. Joy Reid, a slew of attacks on people based on their sexual preference, based on their religion over the years. She's never had to pay a price. She still works there. Al Sharpton, need I say more? So the media, the left generally, whether they're in the media, whether they're in government, whether they run these various institutions have a very high tolerance level for Jew hatred. And the Democrat Party is a party of disparate constituent groups based largely on identity, and it has been since Franklin Roosevelt, that it cobbles together African Americans, Latinos, Jews, uh, historically uh, blue-collar workers are less so today, but you understand my point. And so when one constituent group is a little bigger than the other, they're not sure what to do about it. And yet these are Democrat cities. And our colleges and universities, almost universally, except with a handful like Hillsdale and Grove City and so forth, are controlled by the left too. So there's no excusing them. And of course their hostility to Israel because it's a Jewish state grows and grows and grows. Obama, John Kerry the things they said about that little country the things they did to that little country absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. Now we're going to have to continue to bang the pots and pans here and you in your own way. Or this isn't going to end very, very well. Our country's now fraying. It's fraying at the seams. This is the Marxist ideology dressed up as progressivism, which is really statism. More and more government control, more and more centralization, Fewer and fewer people making decisions for the the population. And so rather than having assimilation of diverse ethnicities, races, belief systems, what have you, there's winners and losers. Because the society is less diversified, you know, state authority, local authority, the private sector, and more and more centralized, where there's big winners and there's big losers. the only reason we're opening up these prisons now is because of the Democrat Party and Republicans who buckle to this. Who buckle to this. You secure your border, you figure out who's coming into this country. People go to prison, they go to prison. They're not all victims of the system. Some of them are actually criminals and some of them are actually violent. And if you destroy law enforcement and the police system, you're not going to have anywhere to run. Even the liberal Democrats who look for Tony areas in their metropolitan areas to live, they won't be safe. I'll be right back. Mark in New York City. Los Angeles. Chicago, they're the three biggest cities. I don't know exactly which is four, five, six anymore. They're run by one party. They've been run by one party for some time. L.A. had a little reprieve, but still run by one party. Do they run them well? Do they run them well? There's very few big cities that are well run. And yet, yet people keep voting for the same party. Someday that will be explained to me. People have all kinds of theories. You have perpetrators and victims voting for the same candidates. It's incredible, isn't it, Mr. Producer? Absolutely nuts. And one of the biggest problems in New York City is the people are now disarmed... So they can't defend themselves. I mean, there they'll throw the book at you. You know, if you assault a Hasidic Jew, that's one thing. But if you're actually carrying a 38 to defend yourself, well, man, you're going to sing-sing, baby. They're going to throw the, lock you up and throw the key away. So here they have a situation where they disarm the population, where they undermine the cops, and where they're letting recidivists out of prison. Ain't wonder why people are leaving New York. (coughs) I'll be right back. Don't forget to download my podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. You don't have to listen to it at all, but have it in your back pocket just in case we're preempted or... You can't listen to us when we're being aired on the local affiliate, our wonderful affiliate in your community. You can listen to it directly. And it's very simple. It's three clicks away. Maybe you go on vacation. Maybe you travel. Or maybe you're just busy and you can't listen when the radio is running the program. That's what podcasts are all about. Go to MarkLevinShow.com. Mark, L-E-V-I-N, Show.com. That's the Mothership website. You click on Audio Rewind. It's at the middle of the top of the home page. So you go to marklevinshow.com. You click on Audio Rewind. It's at the middle of the top of that page, the home page. And when you click that, it'll take you to the podcast page. That's two clicks. Then your third click is pick the podcast platform. You can use Apple, Stitcher, Google. They're right there. Simple to use. Three clicks and you're in. So you'll always be able to listen to this show, always, anytime, anywhere. And that's what's made our podcast so massive, so popular. One of the biggest in the country, in addition to the radio program. Don Imus. A lot of people claim to have known Don Imus intimately. Very few people did. But I was honored to know him not as his best buddy, but to know him. And he always treated me very, very kindly. He always respected me. Doesn't mean he didn't crack jokes or try and tear down. That's what he did. And it wasn't a shtick. That's what he did. And I've always wondered why. And I thought about it after I heard about his passing. And I concluded that after he got in trouble for making the uh, insensitive racial remark that he made. While, of course, condemning that remark, I didn't think he should be suspended or removed from radio. He apologized. He apologized profusely, repeatedly. And he meant it. And he meant it. And so, I didn't think it should destroy a career of decades. Of decades. And I said so. Very few other people said so. All the guests he would have on, all the authors he would have on, all the the liberal news individuals he'd have on, he'd have on all kinds of people. They did not. ...come to his defense. I don't mean the defense of his statement, obviously. I mean the defense of his career. You don't live down a statement like that... ...but it shouldn't destroy you for all time... ...either, I didn't think. And I got to thinking... ...that must have been it. But he absolutely enjoyed... ...and told me so... ...when I would come on his program... And comment, and I think he was more conservative than he let on. He let on that he was fairly conservative, but you know, he wanted guests on the left, too, because it's a guest-driven show for the most part. But I'll miss him. I've already missed him. Been off the air for about a year and a half. I've already missed him. You know, these old-timers, they're old-timers. They cleared this path for people like me. I don't do the same type of radio program. I am who I am, but, but they cleared the path. It's like Bob Grant, who I miss enormously, who I became friends with. He was on WABC, WOR, WWDB in Philadelphia as he was fired from one place to the other. But there'll never be another Bob Grant. Or Tom Marr. Out of Baltimore, but he also was in New York, he also was in Philadelphia, one of a kind. Such a great honor to know him, and he and Bob were good friends, and there are others. But those three come immediately to mind, at least for me. I mean, I'm not as young as I used to be, I'm 62 years old. But when I was younger, I used to stay up late at night with my AM radio and the long antenna in my bedroom in Elkins Park, Cheltenham Township, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia, adjusting my antenna so I could listen to these guys in New York and some of them in Philadelphia. Few and far between. It's like the little rascals we had in Philadelphia with Bill Corsair. Tremendous. Tremendous. These are, again, the people who made it possible for somebody like me to do this. Something I wanted to do when I was a young teenager, but I never thought I could or would. But Imus, Imus in the morning, Don Imus. Never be the likes of him again. And one of the reasons is, radio will never be the same again. PC. PC is a killer. But radio is changing too. It's all changing. Some for the good, some for the bad. But Deidre and the Imus family should know that he'll never be forgotten. He'll be in the Radio Hall of Fame for all time. And for good reason. And then the next generation comes in and they take over and they move on. It's the way it goes. Some ways it's sad, some ways it's not. When my day comes, I'll be attacked by the liberal media as an incendiary, controversial figure Some of you will be saddened for a little while. Then everybody will wonder who replaced him? Who will it be? Who will get the slot? Then you become a distant memory, Mr. Producer. Enough time goes by, you don't become a memory at all. And by the way, as a footnote, that's why family is so important. That's your legacy, your flesh and blood, not your career. You know, that speech Patton gives, <clears throat> or presumably gives, at the beginning of the movie, which is my favorite movie of all time, Patton, probably seen that thing 50 times, never gets old, dirty dozen, a few, handful of others. And George C. Scott says in that speech, among other things, glory is fleeting, glory is fleeting. I've never forgotten that. That's why my head has always been screwed on tight. Glory is fleeting. In fact, most of us are fleeting, except for the family we leave behind. And Imus leaves behind a beautiful family. He lived a real man's life, didn't he? The jobs that he had. The abuses to his body. But he lived life the way he wanted to live it. And you know what? There's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for that. And he will be greatly missed. I'll be right back. love, Lovin'. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your last chance for the Chamonix Christmas and holiday sale. They've extended it. They've extended it. It's running out on Chamonix's best promotion. Imagine the double chin and turkey neck gone with the famous genocell breakthrough jawline treatment with MDL technology. Order now and get the classic Genesel for eye bags and puffiness absolutely free. Plus Genicel's immediate effects for results in 12 hours. Look 10, 15, even 20 years younger right before your eyes. Guaranteed or 100% of your money back. Call 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genicel.com. That's genocell.com G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. And your order today includes Genocell XV anti-wrinkle treatment. And will be upgraded to priority shipping for free. Order now and get a surprise gift just for ordering today. Order now, 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, that's 800-SKIN-604, or Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com. I don't get annoyed terribly by these sorts of things, but I do want to point something out to you, because I believe in transparency as much as possible anyway. This is the third largest radio show in America. Not the fourth, the third. This program is in every top ten market in the nation. It is in 350 markets on 350 affiliates. Some are on more, some are on less. What matters is the affiliates... Are they stations that actually have a real frequency? Or do you have to (laughs) open the window and listen really carefully with an orange juice can on your ear? And some people build up their affiliates that way. We don't do that here. All of our affiliates are top-notch. 80% of the listening audience is in the top 10 to 12 markets in the nation. I'm giving you some inside information. Did you know this, Mr. Producer? Because there's big signals, there are 50,000 waters in most cases, not all, but in most. So if you're not in the top 10 or top 12 metropolitan markets, you can't possibly be in the top three, four, or five radio hosts in the nation. It's not possible. And by the way, I love our small markets too. This is not big market versus small market, this is statistics. Furthermore, this program is susceptible to preemptions because of the time that it's aired, particularly on the East Coast, but also in some of the other parts of the country. We fight that. We resist it. When this program airs live, no competition can beat it. Nobody head-to-head beats it. It's that simple. This is all because of you. Our podcast is going through the roof. Our podcast is going through the roof. So you have a combination of these outstanding affiliates, a massive increase in our podcast listeners. This is at least the number three show in the country. And we're in the most competitive slot. Not because I want to be, but because I am. Now what do we compete with here? From 6 to 9 on the East Coast, and 3 to 6 on the West Coast, and everywhere in between and around. We compete with your dinner. We compete with your movie plans. We compete with book reading to kids. In other words, everything that a family does between 6 and 9 p.m. Eastern Time, or 5 to 8 p.m. Central Time, is what I compete with. Not to mention sports programming on TV or some preemptions on radio. So we have obstacles others don't have. Again, this is not a put-down or praise. This is reality. So this show has a massive listenership, you, because it's truly appointment radio. In some areas, you really do have to figure out how to listen to this program. And no program has a podcast that's growing as fast as ours. We just looked at that over here at Westwood One. No program. None. And so I want to thank you as we begin this new year. We have an unprecedented number of listeners on an unprecedented number of platforms. We have the best affiliates in the country. And we have the most fabulous podcast platform you can think of with Westwood One. And I know I'm blessed. We also have the most loyal listeners. One of the stations, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention WABC, but I will. They used to do, when Phil Boyce was the program director, again, Inside Baseball, they used to do studies about the loyalty of the listenership. This audience is the most loyal audience in radio. You. It's also the most educated audience in radio. And I don't mean PhDs and master's degrees. I mean the most educated audience in radio. The most loyal and the most educated. And honestly, you kind of need to be. Right? The way I cover topics. I'm not a speechster. I don't race through the topics. We don't hit them superficially. We try and really thoroughly address them. I don't load up the show with guests. I don't, we, don't do, we do things a little differently here. Again, God bless everybody else. We want diversity of programming. Everybody can't be the same. But I just point this out to you because I get inquiries all the time about how this works, how that works, and so forth and so on. And I want to thank you for this. I never did get to Ricky... Gervais, and his statement last night, but I'm sure you've heard it five billion times. I just want to salute him. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and I want to salute our commander-in-chief and thank him for keeping us safe. God bless each and every one of you, and I'll see you right here tomorrow.